Welcome to Dayspring Fellowship. Whether you are with us in person, are joining us via live stream, or watching on demand at some later date, we're glad for the opportunity to worship with you today. If you are part of our Dayspring family, welcome home. If you are new to Dayspring, we want you to feel like you've come home as well. When you think about it, it's amazing that through the gift of technology, we can connect to one another regardless of location and worship together. No matter when or where you are watching from, we're glad you are here with us. Here at Dayspring, we believe nothing is more important than your spiritual growth. We are committed to helping you thrive no matter where you are on your spiritual journey. Perhaps you're just curious about church, or maybe you're just looking for some hope. Maybe you don't know why you're here this morning. That's okay. Bring your questions and your doubts. You are welcome here. Your journey matters to us, and we would love nothing more than to walk with you. You can learn more about us as a church by exploring our website at dsf.church or by checking out our Facebook page. I'm Chris Voigt, lead pastor at Dayspring. I'd love to connect with you if you have questions about today's message or about the next step in your spiritual journey. If you want more information about Dayspring and getting connected into our community, I'd be glad to help you do that as well. To help you get the most out of the message today, we've prepared some discussion questions to help you process what you are learning on your own or with others. You can find the discussion guide in our resources section of our website. And now, let's worship together. So we are currently in a series called, How Do You Recognize a Christian? We've been talking about what it means to walk in the light, to abide in Christ, and we've been talking a lot about love. Why is love so important? Why does the Bible talk so much about love? Well, it's one thing, actually the most important thing, that distinguishes Christians from non-Christians, or at least it should. So today, I'm going to ask you the question, how's your love life? But before we dive into that, let's ask the Lord to open our hearts and our minds to his message for us today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come here this morning, every single one of us has a growth place for love. And so we invite you to help us to be more like you. Help us to see with your eyes and hear with your ears and our, our hearts to beat for what your heart beats for. Show us how to love well. In your precious holy name we pray. Amen. Uh, okay, so before it gets weird, let me explain what I mean by your love life. I'm, I'm not referring to what goes on in the bedroom with your spouse. I'm referring to what goes on everywhere with everyone. How well do we actually love? 
The Apostle John returns to the subjects of love and obedience and truth over and over in his letter. Today we return to the topic of love, not just to repeat what we have learned, but to look at it from a different angle. So if you're just joining us today for the first time in this series or the first time ever, I encourage you to go to dsf.church, click on the resources tab, then hit online messages and watch the series from the beginning. It will help you get a fuller picture of what we're talking about today. So I enjoy sewing uh, very much. I even have a lady layer for sewing. Um, I go to the quilt show in Sisters, Oregon every year with one of my daughters. Uh, she likes to make those landscape quilts that are very detailed. And Tony and I are blessed with daughters that love to hang out and laugh, and they're just a lot of fun. Um, and I especially love when they do sleepovers at our house. I just love to crack my door and listen to them laugh late into the night. Anyway, the quilt show trip is, is when I get to spend one-on-one -on -one time with Amy. She's the second from the top, and we were chatting it up, uh, and she used the phrase, I caught the ick. Does anybody know what that means? Okay, I caught the ick. And I'd never heard that phrase before, so I had to ask her what it meant, and, and she wasn't talking about being physically ill. Uh, you know, when there's someone who just rubs you the wrong way, or maybe they're just annoying, not for any particular reason, you're just kind of annoyed when you're around them, and when you stand there and you're having a conversation with them, you're just thinking, please, God, how long is this going to go on? And they, they haven't done anything wrong, or they're not bad people, they, they just you for some reason or another, and you just can't shake it. Well, that's catching the ick. When you feel that way about someone, you've caught the ick from that person. Now, you're giggling because you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the overly righteous Michelle says, oh, I've never caught the ick from anyone. <laughs> I'm a pastor, clearly. But the real Michelle I'm not so sure. I think most of us get irritated or annoyed more often uh, than we would like to admit. And maybe we don't let it show on the outside or we think that we don't, but remember God is concerned with the heart, not just what shows on the outside. In fact, Jesus called the righteous leaders of his day whitewashed tombs because although they looked clean on the outside, their hearts were far from it. So today, we're going to look at what God's Word says about loving other believers. What does loving another Jesus follower look like? Now, obviously, we can extend the same love and grace to those who have not yet decided to live for Jesus, but this particular passage is specifically about relationships within our Christian fellowship or family of believers. We all have our own definition of love or an expectation regarding relationships with others, and I think that we are all familiar with the golden rule, you know, do to others as you would have them do unto you, or in other words, treat others like you would want to be treated, and that's reasonable. But let's dive a little deeper 
into the spectrum of feelings for others, the range of feelings that one might experience toward another person. Warren Wearsby calls them the levels of relationship. And when we think of the kinds of relationship that you might have with another person, there's a, a pendulum that swings from one extreme to another. Hate on one end, sacrificial love on the other, and the Bible says that hate and murder actually go hand in hand when it comes to the heart. We may not commit the actual act of murder, but as we'll see in our passage today, the Bible says that the heart condition of hate is murder. So let's begin by reading through the whole passage for today. Then we'll come back to unpack it. Um, we're in 1 John chapter 3, and we are starting at verse 11. 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. So don't be, dis don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life but a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers do not have eternal life within them. We know that real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we ought to also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth so we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we will know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. Now, within the context of our passage, we see four levels of relationship. Murder, hatred, indifference, and compassion. So you see, notice that I have put murder and hatred together because we think of those things like as two very different things, and it's too easy to let ourselves off the hook on the murder thing if we don't recognize how Jesus puts the two things together when it comes to the heart. I think that most of us can probably say that we haven't murdered anyone, and many of us would say that 
we don't hate anyone, but let's look at it a little closer. Let's, let's unpack this passage a little tighter, 1 John 3, 11 through 12. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We should love one another. And we'll get to that in just a few minutes. But let's look at this whole Cain situation first. To do that, we're going to need to go back to the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, and turn to chapter 4, verse 6. So in short, this is where we read the story of two brothers, the sons of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. Now Abel was a shepherd and Cain was a farmer, and the, the time comes to bring an offering to God. Abel brought the best parts from some of his firstborn of his flock. And Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil. And God looks on favor with Abel's offering, but he does not look on favor with Cain's offering. Cain gets all bent out of shape over it, and God sees what's going on with Cain. And in Genesis 4, 6, and 7, God says to him, Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right, but you refuse to do what's right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. Short story shorter, Cain is angry enough to murder his brother Abel. So why doesn't God accept Cain's offering, and why does Cain murder Abel? Part of the issue could be that Cain did not follow God's commands uh, when he brought an offering from the land, as the sacrifice should have been that of an unblemished animal. And we see in this passage that Cain had a history of doing what was evil. It appears that this was a long-standing issue of disobedience from Cain, so the murder was most likely not an act of passion. Cain had a history of living his way instead of living God's way. In fact, most scholars believe that this is the real problem. Cain's heart was far from God. And scripture describes Abel's offering as fat portions, firstborn and the best. Cain's offering is described as some of the fruits. His offering is not described as first or choice or the best of. And this kind of gives us a glimpse into the depth of Cain's jealousy and contempt uh, by how upset he gets. And even and God even gives him an opportunity to get his attitude under control when he warns him what will happen if he chooses to continue down this wrong path. But Cain chooses to feed his jealousy and anger, and it continues to grow. And you may be thinking, well, I've never murdered anyone, so I can't really relate to Cain. But let's look at Cain's attitude and his offering. Cain did offer some of his produce. And I'm wondering if he had that attitude that some is sufficient. I brought something. Doesn't that count? I mean, 
Sometimes I have the attitude that some is sufficient. But God asks for our first fruits, our best offering. So I have to ask myself, where might I be thinking that my sacrifice is sufficient when God wants all of me? Also, take note of the warning. Cain was warned by God himself to get on the right path. He chose not to, and it ended in tragedy. This murder was not an accident. The Greek word used to describe Abel's murder suggests butcher or slaughter, and it it implies brutality and savagery. Hebrews 11.4 says, It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. So here again, we see that Abel desired a close relationship with God, and apparently, Cain did not. So here's another point to consider. Cain is presented as a worshiper, as one who brings sacrifices to God. He is not presented as an atheist. Point being that there are people who appear to be part of the family of believers. Maybe they come to church or they worship outwardly, but inwardly they are not Christ followers. And Pastor Chris talked about people being a part of the world, meaning that they are not following Christ. And if we're not following Christ, we are not just ambivalent. The Bible tells us that we are either for Christ or we're against him. Scripture also tells us not to be surprised if the world, those who hate Jesus, hate us. And Cain's attitude represents the current world system. The world hates Christ for the same reason Cain hated Abel. Christ reveals the darkness, and the darkness does not want to be revealed. We see it today a lot. You know, those who believe in the one and only way to spend eternity with God our Creator are considered narrow-minded and unloving, and this world just does not want to accept that Jesus Christ is the only way. There is no other way. Our culture today believes that this truth is not inclusive, but the beautiful thing is that Jesus died for every person, every person. God loves every person, even me, even you. But it is true that there's only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. So if you want to know more about that, please fill out a communication card and let us know, or um, let's chat in the lobby after the service, or if you're watching online, please chat with your online host. We would love to help you discover what a relationship with Jesus could look like. God's plan is that those who are not yet part of his family will want to meet Jesus because they see how loving his people are. And as Christians, we are identified by how we love one another, which is why non-believers can get so confused. Sometimes we just don't love each other very well. We not murder or hate per se, but 
man, we can sure catch the ick. So let's jump back to our passage, and we're going to pick it up at verse 16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? In these verses, John addresses the indifference. Uh, Real love doesn't just keep us from not doing evil or things that cause harm to others. Real love is proactive and it involves doing good to them as well. Christian love is both positive and negative. And in the book of Isaiah, we read, cease to do evil, learn to do well. Christian love involves both service and sacrifice. It's easy to serve or help someone when it's convenient or when we don't have something better to do. It is much more difficult when we have other plans or we just really don't want to. Or maybe we don't want to commit to an ongoing schedule. I mean, I'll do it once, but not every Tuesday for five weeks in a row. Real love takes sacrifice on our part uh, without keeping score. That was the one thing that Tony and I have been committed to for our entire marriage. There is no scorecard. And honestly, if there was, I'm sure he would have more points for sacrificial love than I ever will. But as soon as I start keeping score, it isn't about love anymore. It's about me and what I deserve as form of compensation for my doing good to someone else. Pastor Warren Wearsby writes, A man does not have to have murder in order to sin. Hatred is murder in his heart. But a man need not even hate his brother to be guilty of sin. All he has to do is ignore him or be indifferent toward his needs. 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. Now in this verse, we see that love isn't just pretty words, but it requires our involvement, actions or deeds. Indifference is not really caring about a need, usually because we tell ourselves, oh, there's probably someone else will take care of that. Or, but here John challenges us to talk the talk and walk the walk. And we are to be love in action. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who is in, in need of food or clothing. And you say, goodbye, have a good day. Stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and it is useless. 
Now someone may argue, people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say, you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Loving in word is merely talking about a need. Loving indeed means to actually do something about it. And I think sometimes I can talk about a need and pray about a need and ignore God's leading to actually do something about the need. Sometimes we feel like talking and even praying about a need gets us off the hook. Even when we know that we're supposed to act in some way. And sometimes it's difficult and it truly does require sacrifice. Now, this does not mean that every need is your responsibility. That's a whole different issue. But we need to seek the Holy Spirit for guidance and confirmation on when and where and what, and then get moving. Our culture today is so focused on self and our own needs that we are, well, we're selfish. Jan Frank uses the phrase, I need to get out of myself. Thanks, Jan. Oh, I mean, thanks, Jan. (laughs) As we move through our passage this week, we see some blessings, some blessings that come from practicing Christian love. I mean, don't you just love that? We get blessings for doing something that we should be doing anyway. God's grace is like that. And one of those blessings is confidence in our relationship with Jesus. Uh, Starting at verse 19, our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that pleases him. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. Now here's the truth. None of us lives perfectly like Christ. Uh, None of us loves perfectly like Christ. None of us are immune to thinking of ourselves more than we think of someone else. We've had moments where, we've had, where we have mistreated our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we've had moments when we just plain caught the ick. Jesus knows we are unable to do this on our own. And John knew it when he wrote this letter. I think that's why he includes these last verses of encouragement to us. Uh, Chuck Swindoll wrote, Genuine believers who waffle between Cain and Christ need to remember that they're not made righteous by their works, but faith in the name of the Son of God. When we love well, it demonstrates to others that we have a new nature inside of us. 
that we have faith in Jesus. And when sin finds its way into our thoughts and into our hearts and actions, we can still be assured of our salvation because of what Christ did, not because of what I do. When I'm not loving well, I have an avenue for renewal. I can come before God and repent or turn away from my selfishness or get out of myself and allow the Lord to renew my heart and my mind and just give me a love for another that I could never have on my own. Jesus has the cure. And because I can be confident in the cure, I can come boldly before God in prayer and know that he will hear my prayers and answer them. Now, obviously the answer may be different than I'm expecting, but he hears and answers. And when we are disobedient to God, and in this case not loving well, it hinders our prayers. Now, think of a pipe. When a pipe gets clogged, the water, you know, doesn't run through it well. And my relationship with the Lord is like that of a pipe. When I clog it up with sin and disobedience, being unloving, it narrows the pathway for stuff to get through. And it isn't that he doesn't hear me, it's more that I don't hear him. But when I keep all that junk out of the pipe, I can hear him more clearly. And it's also true that when we're in a place of disobedience, we, we don't really want to pray. Um, we don't want to pray all that much because darkness hates to be exposed to the light. So you can see how that can damage our relationship with the Lord. When we are tempted to be focused on self or to deliberately be disobedient, we can remember that like Cain, God always provides a way out for us. We just have to choose it. And we finish up our passage with a reminder that when we believe in the name of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in us and guides and directs and helps us to obey the commands that God gives us, even the command to love well. Most of the time we live somewhere between the extremes of murder and sacrificial love. We live in the middle, and we can begin to doubt our love life. So when your conscience perks up, and it reminds you that you should or shouldn't have treated someone a certain way, don't just ignore the prompting. Take a look at yourself. Deal with it. Work through it. Change the behavior. Get help if you need to. Maybe you need to apologize or forgive or act or... Whatever the Holy Spirit is telling you to do, do it. Don't delay. Remember, delayed obedience is, in fact, disobedience. Also, take the time to recognize uh, when people love you well and when you love others well, not to get all puffed up with pride, but as an encouragement of how God is working in you and in others. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit inside you, this isn't just a metaphorical chatter. He's truly present, imparting to you his life and producing in you the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So let me wrap this up by sharing something personal. 
When you're teaching on a topic by God's supreme grace or sovereignty, I'm not sure which, you usually have the opportunity to experience the passage in some way. I think my next message is going to be creation of the world, tagline, the 10 best tropical locations in the world. But seriously, recently, Tony and I have had the opportunity to step out of our comfort zones and love in a whole new way at a whole new level. Now, although we are in this together, this is not about our relationship with each other. It's amazing, really. It's scary and exciting at the same time. And as we were entering into this and I was praying, the whole sacrifice thing came up in my mind and it suddenly came to me. If I define this love as sacrificial love, I'm focusing on me. And I knew immediately that the word sacrifice had to be removed from the situation and I replaced it with two words. Holy opportunity. And now we are embarking on a new faith-filled journey, a journey of love in a way that we never expected. So although we are to love sacrificially, I think maybe we're supposed to ditch the attitude of sacrifices that we're making and really embrace the holy opportunity that God has for us. Love by faith. Love in faith, without expectation of anything in return. Chuck Swindoll wrote this. The Christian faith is not merely intellectual, consisting of a list of propositional truth that we affirm. It's also a living faith in which our experiences can't always be reduced to words. We have a mystical union with God through Christ by the indwelling Spirit. And the Holy Spirit speaks into the souls of his beloved children to say, you are my precious child. Your response to this supernatural assurance should be wonder and awe. So let's go out in wonder and awe and the power within us to love well. And well, love well. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us in worship today. Whether you are part of our Dayspring family or just joined us for the first time, we'd love to walk with you on your spiritual journey. Feel free to drop us an email if you have questions or want more information. For those of you who choose to invest financially at Dayspring, thank you for your generosity and your commitment to helping others grow. Every gift, large or small, matters, and God never ceases to surprise us with what He is able to do because of your commitment to following Him in every part of your life. If you're our guest today, please know that we consider your time a gift to us and this service our gift to you. There is no expectation or obligation for you to give. For those of you who would like to partner financially, there are three easy ways for you to give. Please see the online giving section of our website or text GIVE to the number on your screen. 
And for those of you who still use them, you can also mail a check to us. We'd like to thank those of you who subscribe, like, and share these messages with your friends. If you are listening on our podcast, feel free to leave a review. More of Jesus is the answer to all of life's problems, and we appreciate your help inviting others to check him out. We'll see you next week.